Yes, sir. yes, sir. The man wanted to ride. What did he do? Swing down, sweet child. If you're feeling my vibe, then we can all just ride. If you want to get down, then we can all just ride. All my people, throw your hands up high and just ride. Where you're from, east side to west side, just ride. All my people from uptown to downtown. From Cali to NY, you know we all. From the floor to key to DP, just ride. Hello, everybody. You're listening to the Bay Heights Pod. And then with Ryan here, if you've got any feedback for us, any show ideas or questions, please reach out to us at bayheightspod at gmail.com. You can also tweet at us or comment on, get us at Instagram, at bayheightspod is the handle. And we'd love to hear from you. Please subscribe, rate, and review. We appreciate all your feedback and your support. How are you doing, Ryan? Pretty good, sir. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Um, so I got my driver's license earlier this week. So finally, after several months and a pandemic and a lot of just delays, I'm finally there. Um, so that's good. It was a bit. It was a bit of a trip trying to just do that. I mean, I'm a pretty diligent driver, um, following all the different things you're supposed to do in the car. Um, I know a lot of people just develop bad habits, but I generally speaking, I think compared to a lot of people, I maintain the same diligence, and so. You know, but it's just different when you get into a into a test. So at least sure. that's done. Um, going to the thanks, man. Going through the process, it's it's a bit funny. Like at first, in the beginning, I have to do the written test. My passport wouldn't scan, so I had to go to multiple DMVs. Oh. And there was the pandemic then that just postponed the driving test by a few months. Um, so then, you know, finally we're here. It's a Is bit it true what they say about American DMVs? Like that's just you know, like an abomination. Hope- yeah, just like hotel hell. It's like what you think of like <laughs> the worst the worst of what Americans have to offer. It's just your local DMV. To be honest, like my view is that it is not as bad as I was expecting based on how much you hear jokes about it and how much all my colleagues and family would, would complain about it. Right. Um, I thought that it's well run for what it is. Like it... You show up. There are processes. There is an order. They have technology. They're, they're, it's working as it was intended. Now, I think part of the issue is I think that they could leverage more centers. Like the Santa Clara DMV, the one, the first one I went to is huge. And mm-hmm. I think part of the reason why it's so busy is because people are just sort of funneling into one building. Whereas if you just had many smaller centers scattered, then I think that would disperse crowds. That was kind of a take that I had. So, um. Yeah, I mean it's 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 not perfect, um, but I also I don't know if it's just people complaining or not, but and maybe maybe because it had been better at one point in time. Um, but if but to compare it to what we have like here in Oakville, nah, like in Oakville, I don't think I really ever waited in lineups and stuff. I don't remember having that many lineups when I would go do my photo and do that kind of stuff. No, mm-hmm. so. but uh it is one of the few parts of society where you see everybody you know what i mean like we're we're so fragmented where you pick different towns you live in different communities your kids go to different schools or you have different types of jobs or different types of companies so you're around people who are a bit like you right that's kind of how it is and when you go to the dmv that's just like everybody coming together in this one institution you know it's kind of interesting right interesting uh format so all right man so this uh, we're kicking off another series, which are the we actually maybe we need to to be honest, we're still coming up with a name for the title, but it's like the one-off champions where they're just memorable. Now they might have had more than one championship or not, but 
we're just they, they're the, the the title wins that they had stood the test of time, right? And the first one we're going to dive into are the 2016 Cavs, the Cleveland Cavaliers. That one it gets talked about, it gets remembered. I think 10 years from now, 15 years from now, we'll still remember it. It was quite remarkable for different reasons. Um, if I'll, I'm just going to kind of rattle off a few bullets of what this just to refresh everybody's memory. What was happening in that season? Is that right? Go for it. Yeah, man. So, okay, that was the year the All-Star Game was in Toronto. It was the first time Toronto had an All-Star Game. It was the last seasons for Kobe Bryant, Tim Duncan, and Kevin Garnett. Now, Kevin Garnett had pretty much been on his way out. Like, I don't even really remember much of him that season. Tim Duncan had not officially announced he was going to have the end of the season, was Kobe was doing his farewell tour. That was uh, the year Steph Curry won the first ever unanimous MVP in history. The Warriors had gone 73-9, and beating the Bulls 72-10 and record, back set in... 96 i believe the spurs in that season they actually went on a 20 game win streak that was barely covered they were 40 and 1 at home and they were their record was 67 and 15 so they were on track to uh, be almost a 70 win team as well that was the regular season just a few just um just a few pointers about the playoffs so just to refresh where we how we got to the finals there the Raptors had spoiled a Heat-Cavs conference finals when the Raptors beat the Heat. I think at this point, people had hoped that maybe the Heat could maybe get into the conference finals and you could have a Wade-LeBron matchup. So the media wasn't very happy about that. The Thunder had had lost the Warriors after being up 3-1. LeBron was the first player since the 1960s to make six consecutive NBA finals. and that, In that period, it was just Celtics players on the same team. The Warriors were the first team to come back from 3-1, as we talked about against the Thunder, and then also lose after being up 3-1 in the same playoffs. <laughs> and then, which we'll talk more about in a minute, the Cavs, or yeah, so the Cavs' first team to come back. They were the first team to win a Game 7 on the road since the 1978 Bullets. And it was Cleveland's first sports title since 1964, which I believe was the Cleveland Browns. Um, yeah. So that was the 2016 season, 2016 playoffs. Um, now that series was very memorable, um, for, you know, like you had the hype of this juggernaut, the Warriors going 73 and nine, and they had won their first championship the year prior. And, and the media had now sort of picked up on this warrior team who was super photogenic and super just likable as people. They had very charismatic players and Stephen Curry and Clay Thompson and, Steve, Steve Kerr was always giving great interviews. So the media loved this. And um, the style of play captured a lot of just attention from fans and young kids as well, right? Because you're just shooting threes. Like, who doesn't like the idea, like in a video game, just shooting balls everywhere? And, you know, and um, so that just generated a lot of attention. And um, uh, and seeing the the swings like we saw, the three ones going up three one, like that, that's kind of what, what made this really memorable. Um, I've got to, we'll dive into like specific points and questions, but was there any, I mean, maybe it's self-evident, like just the, the final few plays of the series, but are there any other sneaky moments that you, that kind of, that stick with you, any memories, any images that, that weren't the obvious ones, like the, the, you know, the, the, the game seven plays that kind of stuck out for you in with the Cavs and that whole run in the playoffs? It was if so if um We're in the if Warriors, Miami yeah. if Miami's yeah. San Antonio was like the most F, um 
aesthetically pleasing basketball to watch, then this series was okay. kind of the opposite, right? It was, it was, <laughs> it was but but listen, I you're I I live for that shit. If you I mean the whole that. series or just parts? Yeah, of you know what? Just just you're you're asking me to go off memory and sure, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, just, I'm just thinking of like the last three minutes of that series yeah, okay. and how yeah they had to, and that just kind of encompassed the whole series. I'm. I know if I watched it, there there was some yeah. beautiful basketball played and and whatnot, championship okay. level, all that. But if I had to just, you know, the 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 everlasting memory. So I have two, just all encompassing kind of catch all memories. Number one, for me, was LeBron James, mic drop moment. Like, okay, Magic, Larry, Michael, Kobe, like you guys have never done this, right? And we can get into mm-hmm. what that means, right? Okay. And second, it was. I, I loved 2016 in general because um, my country of Portugal won a very okay. ugly European oh. championship, um, not winning okay. a single game in the round robin because that was the new rules. Um, you had all these former players just shitting, shitting on <laughs> Portugal. Um, they won without Ronaldo. It wasn't the prettiest goal. It wasn't the prettiest finals. And I'm just like, okay. yep, like, yeah, I'll take seconds of that. That's that's exactly how I want to win. Just just all this okay. heat. It's just like no, just no photogenic moments. Um, Michael Bisbang, also one of my favorite players, won that summer as well. Against kind of, it was, Dan Dan Henderson. No, uh, he later defended against Dan Henderson. He beat Luke Rockhold in one of the okay. one of the biggest upsets in UFC history. Again, kind of this journeyman fighter doesn't always win pretty. Um, just beat a stud. Um, so it was so 2016 just in general was uh, was just a very cool year for me um, sports wise because I feel like all these heels that I've always like been suckers for um, kind of won in the way that they did okay. and okay. I was I was loving it man and, and the Cavs just they they won the most they, they won in such a way that I appreciate put it that way so. you know 2016 I think people are very fond of it in in a few different ways I mean personally. That was actually when I met my wife, and then like we were. Oh, hey now, we knew each other, and so then uh, I remember actually. Well, later you we talking about Michael Bisping because I remember watching the the Bisping Henderson fight from our hotel room. We she mm-hmm. took me for my birthday to uh, this place Capella, which is this really nice yeah. kind of resort. Something people do in in Singapore is they staycation. So in, in, instead of getting to the airport and flying off somewhere, like they have this resort type area where you just get away from the city, and it's actually quite a secluded area. Mm-hmm. Um, just little fact, uh, that's where Donald Trump and Kim, uh, Kim Jong-un did their, their famous handshakes and all that. Oh, you like, were there. Well, oh, no, I wasn't there then. <laughs> it's like, but it was, uh, it no, was, you were, you were, you were there. There's like, it's, it's yeah, yeah. Do you remember where they were? Tight. Yeah. Yeah. You know the way they're sitting, answering questions in those two chairs and like kind mm-hmm. of books behind them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like we were hanging out there just like hanging oh, wow. out there one, one afternoon and like, so they clear that out, I guess. And it's interesting you mentioned that when they were actually there in terms of chronology was actually the day, I believe, of the conference or the day something significant was happening, whether they were, where Trump was landing, we were actually getting ready to fly to San Francisco. So I was just hoping that our flight wasn't going to be disrupted in any way because I just mm-hmm. wanted to just, you know. Anyway, so 2016, it um, – it's just the way that championship gets covered and the way that year goes, you're right. There's a lot of fondness. And I actually think that part of that is a bit because of more macro level trends. And you talked about 
heels winning. The ultimate heel won in 2016, which was yep. the current president. And so I think that that was the final year of this time where, depending who you were, you looked at it finally, and the media is generally favorable to Obama. And so just things like uh, LeBron James overcoming adversity and, and beating the Warriors and, and, and all this, it, just, it, it was just this time where of inspiration. And so, you know, it, it, and then I think, can't help but think that that played into it too. Um, mm-hmm. But so tell me, yeah, like just let's get into it then. You, you brought up, you compared LeBron, to, like his achievement to like Larry, um, Michael, uh, to the greats. Like, so what do you take from it? How does this stack up? What do you place it? Well, you're the, uh, you're the stats guy. Wasn't that the, um, yeah, wasn't that, so first of all, no one's ever come back in a finals from three yeah. one. Yeah. Okay. And wasn't that the most in terms of betting and media narrative? Wasn't that the consensus? Um, oh, the upset, the one of yeah, the biggest upsets in, in terms of yeah. the biggest upset, right? So I believe so until like the later the Raptors, yeah. Oh, that was a bigger uh, margin than um, than the twenty sixteen finals. I believe I believe the okay. Raptors are well, greater greater underdogs. Oh, yeah. greater. Okay, okay. Um, yeah. But but yeah, I mean three one and like because you know Mark Jackson before Game Seven, I remember him. Like I, no one needs to get me too excited to watch a game seven, right? It's one of the most exciting things you're going to watch. Mm-hmm. But he did a in his in his interview. It's funny because we were talking about Mark Jackson in a previous pod where you don't like him, but he was just going off and he just said, "If LeBron James can pull this off, I believe this will be the greatest feat in all of sports." And that was just like, whoa! Like it just hit me. Like you talk about hyperbole, like that's one of the most hyperbolic statements that I've ever yeah. heard. But then I'm like, I pause for a second. I'm like, yeah, actually kind of like, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's kind of certainly top five in all of sports in the last, you know, century. I got to think that. Um, But, you know, maybe that's a separate pod ranking that that's like getting away from basketball. But anyway, so it's, it's crazy, right? Because yeah, it's crazy. It's it's crazy how that Mark Jackson, it's crazy how Mark Jackson could actually inspire someone. And second of all, yeah, I mean, (laughs) Factually, again, I don't know why every time I start talking about something like this that I have to preface it by, you know, you know, saying what the other side's going to say about it. So I'm just going to kind of wall that off right now and say, yes, this was an incredible achievement. You have the team with the best regular season winning record, the defending champions um, playing as a team who fires their head coach or oh, yeah, whatever that's right. we can get into that. Cause I actually don't know um, how um, Blatt was let go. Um, I, and, and, and you mean you don't understand how he was let go, like let maybe. go. And then, and then Tyron Lou takes his place. You mean you don't understand why, or you don't understand. How... I, actually, I, actually, I actually don't know. I actually don't know the nitty gritty of, of what went into that. Decision. Oh, okay. No, I don't. Maybe you do, and, and could yeah, maybe can, speak a little to bit that. of context. So, mm-hmm. if you recall from the beginning, they had Mike Brown. Sorry, not Mike Brown. They they signed David Blatt. They had Kyrie. They had Dion Waiters. They they signed Dion, uh, David Blatt before LeBron had come back to Cleveland. Okay. So David Blatt was going to be coaching Kyrie Irving and Dion Waiters as the cornerstones of the Cavs, and then. And Kyrie Irving had just signed his contract. And then 
LeBron decides he's coming back to Cleveland, that changes everything. So now David Blatt, who is this heralded coach in Europe, has to coach the greatest basketball player since Jordan, a guy who's never coached in the NBA. Um, so then there were moments throughout the season where, like we've talked a bit about how LeBron has just got this mind for the game, and I think he expects toughness. And so if you can't stand up to LeBron, he's just it's a bit like, again, being a superb professional and your manager just doesn't know as much as you. It doesn't happen often, but when it does, it's like, well, what's supposed to happen here? Because the manager's manager, he's asking, expecting something of the manager, but the manager can't deliver. It's actually the guy below him. Then something has to change, right? And it just, it's like that with LeBron and his coaches. So David Blatt, there was this famous play in the 2015 finals, uh, sorry, 2015 playoffs where he ran a play where LeBron would pass it to, I forget which other player it was. And in the middle of the play, like LeBron just said, nice. He just broke the play and then he scored and then they won. And in an interview later, he threw David Blatt under the bus. He just said, yeah, I scratched that. He did, the play was this. I scratched it. You know, and I, wow. So like, you know, it's, it's, it's just these little subtle things that LeBron does. He likes to do with players and coaches. So the, 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 I don't know if we say the respect wasn't there, but I don't know if the full confidence of the organization was behind Blatt. So they were obviously a really strong team. There was always this terminal around the Cavs throughout the season. So then, then yeah, they let him go. David Griffin let him go. And Tyron Liu, who I think that it was an organization that brought him on as opposed to David Blatt picking him, right? And so okay. that was how they – which happens often. Like the general manager brings on an assistant coach and then they say, well, you know, just work with this guy and then he becomes the head coach. Hmm. Um, so so that, that was a bit of the backstory there as to why they switched to coaches. So that's quite remarkable too. You're right. That Tyron Liu had, been, had assumed the role and then he won a championship that season. I, I just know it's like Tyron Lue. It's like, wow, the guy that got crossed by Iverson and stepped over. And <laughs> yeah, that's right. Now he's coaching the <laughs> NBA Finals. I, I was just rubbing my eyes. Just what the hell's going on? What the hell am I, I watching? I know. Right? I was kind of wondering that too. Um, it just goes to show though, right? Being a player. And if any, and if anything, sometimes being the role player sets you up to be a good coach because oh, being a role player means you have to be much more aware of where you're supposed to be and you're how you're supposed to fit around all these other guys who are the stars. And then it makes you see the game from, from more angles than just you. Whereas when you're the star player, everything revolves around you. You, it, 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 I just, and then also when you're a role player, you spend a bit more time on the bench. So you're actually spending a lot more time watching a game unfold without you actually being part of it. So in some ways it does set you up. And so, um, and then, you know, Ty Lue being a pretty defender sort of um, sets him up to be this coach. Now there was this famous story where in game, game five where he took a hundred dollar bills from all the players he says okay um he puts it up on the ceiling says okay we're coming back this because they were down three one right and then he's like we're gonna win game five we're gonna win game six and we're gonna come back here and get this money back because like the the idea being that if they don't win they don't get the money back so that was a bit of a motivating tactic interesting um so um so okay so just um question then uh, because this kind of deals with a little bit before the finals, the, the, the actual finals with Cavs Warriors, like how important was the Draymond Green suspension in Game Five? What's your opinion on that? When he, wow, yeah. I, f- I forgot all about it. Um, look, prob- probably, probably really important, right? Okay, I mean, tell me plainly, stay as that. 
I mean, he was an effective player, so you okay. remove him out of the game. Um, yeah. So he, yeah. So he he he's ejected from game five. Then he suspended game. Sorry, it was game four, and he's ejected. He's suspended for game five. That's mm-hmm. it. Like my view is this: multiple points here. Um, he played game six and seven. The Warriors are still up three one. So even if you lose game five. You can win game six and seven. And there are plenty of instances where the better team, the higher ranked team, still wins game six on the road. And even if you don't, the odds are still in your favor to win game seven. So that I kind of think that that's a bit overblown. Secondly, he wasn't wasn't like a, a, a frivolous suspension. It was actually a procedural suspension. He had already gotten his fourth flagrant foul in the playoffs. And that was the reason why he was suspended. Because, you know, you get X number of of those types of fouls, and then you're automatically suspended for the next game. So it wasn't like the league arbitrarily decided to suspend him. It was already the rules in place from the beginning. Exactly. It's it's like, okay, he had to, you know, sometimes in basketball you, you take the smart foul. Well, maybe he took the smart flagrant, <laughs> four of them. Um, yeah, that's on you, buddy. Um, you, know, <laughs> you, you, you have to play a certain way, and you know what's going to happen if you pick up X amount of fouls, whether during a regular game or, you know, uh, what is it, seven technicals and you miss a game as yeah. well. So all these guys are well aware going into an NBA contest um, what they're at. Uh, much like yeah. a soccer player knows <laughs> if he's carrying uh, two yellow cards going into a game or or whatever the case. So, um, yeah, that's that's on you. That's, that's your lack of discipline. That's knowing that yeah. the referees are on to you. And – it's a skill. It's an awareness. Um, there's yeah, a reason right. why. There's a reason why when you're creating your player in NBA 2K, you have your defensive awareness and all this other <laughs> shit. Um, yeah, like if you don't have it between the shoulders, then sorry. So, um, so that yeah. Let me, so so, so we'll, all so all is fair. Like you were suspended. So, yep. So this bullet is like this. Number one, he punches, tries to punch LeBron in the balls, and so then that's what leads to the flagrant. So don't punch a guy in the balls, and then you won't get a flagrant. Yeah. And then, because he already had previous flagrants, he gets suspended. Well, he was ejected from the game before that yeah. punch. So don't do that. Then you don't get ejected. Secondly, he um, that was game four. Secondly, he shouldn't have had the previous flagrant, so then he wouldn't have been suspended game five. And then, okay, even if he gets, even if you go through that, you still have two more games to beat this yeah. team when you were already the first place team. So that's kind of on the Warriors. They let that one slip by. Now here, let me phrase this to you this way. Do you remember what happened – between him and between Draymond Green and Steven Adams in the Western Conference Finals. Um, so I, I, I yeah, you'll, you'll it was, to fill me in. So what happened was uh, I can't remember exactly which game. I believe they, I believe it was the three uh, one lead, where where Steven Adams got there. It's a bit of a re, I think it was a it was under the basket, a bit of a loose ball. And what happens is Draymond Green jumps up and kicks Stephen Adams in the balls. Do you remember I this part? I, I don't. Go on. Okay. So it was straight, like straight contact. Like Stephen Adams, who's a big, tough guy, yeah, crumples right to the ground immediately. And there's a play called. And so the league, that's a straight flagrant as far as I'm concerned. Like if you look at that play. First of all, Steven Adams is taller. So in order for you to kick him in the balls, your leg had to have gotten extended up high, higher in the air, right? Um, and then the league rules that he was, quote-unquote, flailing. 
So like when he threw his uh, leg up shit, into the I'm watching air. It now, yes, okay. Yeah, so you remember that now, right? Yes. So he did not get a flagrant for that. Mm-hmm. He was it was his he was quote unquote flailing. So that's why he didn't get a flagrant. If he got that flagrant and he got suspended in one of those games where they ended up coming back to win win four three, you think the Thunder would have just beaten the Warriors? It's it's at all possible. I, I know I was cheering I, for them. I, I, I know I sure that, think that they would have. Yeah. It's so interesting because I think we've mentioned in a previous podcast, when they had a 3-1 lead, I'm like, oh, God, now you guys are going to lose it somehow. That's how scared I was of the Golden State War. Like, they were, they were, they were, they're probably the scariest. But before you I've talk about seen. that, talk about the, the suspension part. So, like, yeah, Draymond I, Green I, gets I, still don't, I still don't know because. Um, so now you have Steph Curry and you have Clay Thompson. Mm-hmm. And that's it, right? So I guess you have Andrew Bogut, but you have no Draymond Green now playing in game five or six. You think that that, that Warriors team without Draymond Green still beats the Thunder, even though they just went down 3-1? Yeah, you would think they wouldn't, right? Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'll probably tend to agree with you that that I would like Gold, um, sorry, not Golden State. I would like OKC's chances a lot more, for sure. Because here's the thing, too, is if he loses that, then uh, sorry, if the, the Warriors lose that game, then you get a Thunder Cavs finals. You get Kevin Durant with Russell Westbrook and um, I think it's Serge and Steven Adams, all those guys. You get, at least get the dynamic duo of Russell and Durant. Yeah, going everyone, up except, against. everyone except Harden, right? Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> but then you get the, re- so you get the rematch three years later of yes. Thunder versus LeBron again. Yes. Um, that would have been quite remarkable. It would have been amazing. And you, I don't know how that plays out. I can totally see a world where that Thunder team could have shaken up the Cavs. I mean, I think the Cavs still would have beaten them, I think, because they had such offensive firepower with Kerry and and LeBron. Yeah, that was, was, Um, back to the Cavs, uh, that's probably Kyrie's best series, right, of his NBA career. So, but now, just to your point about the Thunder and the Warriors there leading up, is. Uh, that Thunder team, I actually was a lot more confident in after watching a couple of games. I'm like, yeah, okay, they're too long, they're too tall, they're just straight stifling the Warriors. Like they figured out the formula, um, and we never got to see them try this again because Kevin Durant left in the summer. Mm-hmm. But if they had rolled it back, I think that I don't think that the Warriors would have gotten out of the Western Conference as many times as they did if they had to face that Thunder team intact. You're probably right because. We've seen Warriors have such tough matches going to the NBA Finals that it's, you know, you if you just run the numbers, you would think eventually um, that one of these teams would have finally got that fourth right. win on them, right? And, right? and spoiling their trip to the Finals. So, yeah, I won't deny that if it wasn't, if it wasn't OKC, it would have been Rockets. If it wasn't Rockets, it would have been OKC or some other team that, that could have come up. Yeah, it's, it's, it's entirely possible. The West is just so deep. And, you know, we're in an era of not just one super team, but multiple super teams. So uh, if, if the right player came along, yeah, if Kevin Durant decided to stay, um, and uh, I have no doubt that um, that they, if they had a second stab at the Warriors, that they could have taken them for sure. So, yeah, I, I, I'll rattle off just a few things that, le- like, led, like, kind of happened through games one through six. Like, because I was... 
kind of just replaying a few clips to sort of jog my memory just to recap where we got to. Then I know we're probably going to spend a bit more time really dissecting game seven, at least really the last few minutes of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so in games uh, one and two, Warriors outscored the Cavs by 48 points in total. <laughs> so they were straight dominating the Cavs yeah. in game one and two. The Cavs stay alive in game three, and then the Warriors take game four. So now you're like, all right, the Warriors are totally up. Game five, Kyrie and LeBron, they both score 40 points. It's the first time two teammates scored 40 points in the same game. They were at the half. The score was 61-61. So this is a precursor to the to the offensive era that we see today. Game six, this is where I just remember. So so there's just a few visuals that, that kind of stand out. Um, this actually, I know, I know you're going to comment on some of this stuff. So, first, uh, Jim Brown being in attendance. I don't know. It just seemed really cool. There was this, mm. this air of seriousness and this momentous occasion when you just when you see LeBron acknowledge Jim Brown, you're like, oh, okay, this is one of those moments. Now, it's funny when you actually go and Google Jim Brown and look at his history. Uh, it's interesting how the media just sort of just overlooks uh, his past. He's got a really checkered uh, past when it comes to. Um, kind of domestic violence and stuff. And anyway. Um, yeah, I think I think um, you're right. And Jim Brown's tried to um, do a lot in um, in, um, in the corrections. Um, okay. Yeah. and But it, it goes I, like right up into the 2010s even. It's just decades of it. It's, it's quite... No, I know. I did that. No, I'm, I'm actually... I'm, I'm agreeing with you saying this guy, here he is trying to... He's, you know, is the world's biggest advocate for prison reform and yet, you know... Oh, that, okay. Seem to, people, people just can't seem to... He's just too toxic, right? And uh, because of his past, okay. like he's just seemingly... Got it. Every couple of years, you know, a new story pops up and... You can't really talk about the good this man has done because <laughs> okay. because of all this shit. But yeah, um, um, so uh, and then you know it was a bit strange in this series. That's when Anderson Verja was in the Warriors. It was just really weird to see him in that jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, now uh, there was one of the images of the series. It just there was something. Oh man, I wish this is when I wish I was some kind of history or english major because like that game six just felt like this this awakening like because to that to before somewhere in the middle of game six you just felt like okay the Cavs, their backs are against the wall and you're really i'm really rooting for them i want to see them beat the warriors and um but you never quite believe it but then there's this play if you remember when steph tries to go for a layup and lebron just straight one has one of the most devastating blocks that there is. And then he just, mm-hmm. he says something to Curry after just, uh, and it, it was one of those moments. I'm like, okay, they're invigorated. Like this, this, there's some hope. It's a bit like seeing Bret Hart going up against Yokozuna. And <laughs> when there are moments when like Yokozuna gets knocked onto his back, you're like, Oh wow. Like Hitman might actually do it. Right. Like there, that's the feeling I had watching, because okay. you couldn't imagine how this big fat guy was going to lose to Bret Hart. Um, and I remember Tony Kornweiser commenting on LeBron's block on Curry when he said, uh, he's like, LeBron hates Steph Curry. LeBron hates Steph Curry more than Russell Westbrook hates Steph Curry. So, wow. Um, like it was just like he just he just basically viewed the look that LeBron gave Curry as if like there was a strong disdain. And it kind of – I think so. I think that from what you hear from from different people who report on this, who have some kind of insight into LeBron's camp, there's a bit of a slight resentment that the media gives Steph Curry more of a pass than they give LeBron. That 
like the unanimous MVP that he got. Like LeBron thinks there were a bunch of years he should have just straight got MVP. And then there was that one year where I think somebody voted for Derrick Rose, where they think LeBron should have got the MVP. Mm-hmm. Um, or uh, different stuff like that. But I don't know if you remember that or any. Uh, well, I remember um, that because because Michael got the same treatment too, right? I mean, it was yeah. you know these basketball writers were like you know hard pressed uh, to be like shit. Michael should win every year, but we. But the okay, the Curry file. I don't know if you or the block or. Um, so, and then you brought this up in a previous pod, uh, Curry, do you remember when he fouled out in game six? And threw out the mouthpiece? Is that what happened? Yeah. Is that a different yeah. incident? Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. Yeah. 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 You tell me, what were you thinking when you saw that? I'm like, wow, this guy is human. He gets flustered. Okay. He's, yeah. he's not this, like, here's the boogeyman. And you know, he's, he's like not imposing at all. Right. Like obviously the guy yeah. would whip me at the gym and every other form of, <laughs> of, 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 of physical contest. But um, I've never, see, here's the thing. Here's the thing about why I, I call them scary. It's like, it's, it's because they're like these little, you know, you think of these, you think of clay and even Draymond who's undersized and, uh, and Steph. And then when Durant uh, joins them, um, just when you think of the Golden State Warriors, it, you have the opposite image of the Piston Bad Boys, where the Piston Bad Boys can really hurt you, but yeah. um, but the Warriors are just these, um, I don't know, these like Comic Con guys who like just <laughs> you know show up and just be like, hey guys, if it's cool with you, let's play a little basketball, right? They're they're like <laughs> totally nonchalant, non confrontational about it, and just you know scorch you for forty points, right? Um, so when I say that the Warriors are scary, they're scary in how quickly they score baskets. They're scary. They're scary right. in how quickly they just go on eighteen-two runs. Um, and, and so then Curry. And then, so, so, so then you're right, exactly. So when Curry fouls out, throws out the mouthpiece, it's. Um, I'm thinking of that scene from Rocky Four when you know Balboa's coaches just go, "See, he bleeds just like you and me. He's human after all." <laughs> yeah. Like it's like there's hope. Okay. Like, and that's that's that was the. I think you're right. Chink, yeah, yeah, that was the chink yeah. on Steph Curry's armor, right? So it's like, wow, this guy is like, and I, I believe he got teed up for that, right? So, um, he he did. Well, that's why he got a. Uh, did he get ejected for that? I don't know if he got ejected, but he definitely got a T. So here's this guy being. Humanized. Oh no, sorry. He 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 did get a T, okay. but he the the reason he got a T was because yes, he threw the mouthpiece out. But the reason he did that was because he got called for a foul. That mm-hmm. was a sixth foul. He got ejected because of the foul. Then he got a T after that. It's like you see, um, you see certain players never get humanized, right? Um, yeah. I don't think I ever saw Michael. I never think I saw Kobe. Um. Uh, you know, I remember when Kobe was getting blown out in, against the um, Celtics in that one final game, right? And he was just on the bench, and you know they 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 gave Doc Rivers the uh, the Gatorade treatment. He just had this look on his face, just like drink it in, boys. Don't worry, I'll be back. Um, <laughs> just you know, you know, Black Mamba, right? It's like he's he just he just okay. no sold it. He, he no sold it, and here is yeah. Steph Curry can't help but sell it so i'm like oh shit um yeah yeah so the Cavs are doing something broke. right sure the if you look at that foul too it was such a careless foul like okay you know when someone gets the ball like they grab a loose ball and 
like unless you have a really clear shot at actually stripping him, then you just let it go and then you just get back on D, right? Yeah. But while everyone's getting back on D, Steph sort of is moving towards D, but he just tries to do like a SWAT. And then as a result, he ends up fouling, I believe it might have been Tristan Thompson. I could be wrong with who he's fouling. And that, that's when he gets called for the foul. It's like a reach. And so it was just like, it was such a careless, pointless foul. When you have five fouls, why would you take that kind of risk? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I think the way you described it, sort of, I never thought of it that way, but I think that does capture how I was seeing it. Like, oh, he got shook. He got like, his, he's not his own internal strength has been challenged and now he's out. I think these Cavs actually have a shot at game seven when they get there. That was my thought when I saw game six. Yeah, mine too. Mine too. So game seven, and it's really, when we say game seven, let's just talk about the last three minutes. Cause that's like, that's everything. You talk about how it's an ugly play. Um, but there's like, man, that sequence of events is, it's going to be legendary. I mean, I, the LeBron block, let's just talk about that first. Like I had to watch that numerous times because I'm trying to watch the spacing on the court to figure out who was where and how LeBron got from essentially well behind the three-point line all the way up to um, Andre Iguodala within a few seconds to make that block. It was quite remarkable. Um, um, so like the, I mean, there's a few what ifs that kind of come to mind. Um like with with the with that sequence like one is after the block there's a few plays where lebron can go in for a dunk and if he makes that dunk then that would be they would essentially seal the game now draymond blocks it he fouls him so lebron goes to the line if lebron makes that dunk do you think that the kyrie irving three-point shot would have uh been as iconic and been as memorable because that was the go-ahead bucket but if LeBron dunks, do you think that that's the play that we keep playing all the time instead of like the block or the Kyrie shot? Um, yeah, because he gets he gets fouled on the dunk, right? That's the one you're talking. Oh about? yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and, yeah, and, and, and it was a, it was a bad spill too. Um, it was bad, yeah. Yeah, I suppose. Um, look, I know there's some people that need that moment, that that poster moment, for it to like almost seal uh, a certain victory to, to leave that impression in your mind. Um, well, no, I'm, I'm just asking like, would it change what we, cause right now the, the, the not really, is... not, not, not for me. I thought, listen, the miss dunk, the Kyrie three and the block, I'm able to like, you know, for me personally, I'm able to, um, I'm able to hang on to those memories and it's all okay. like, a how about I phrase it this way? What do you think would, that people would show more if, what is the what would the media show more? Would they obviously show the block the, more or the dunk obviously more? The dunk. Obviously the dunk. Okay. They had to they had to pick because this was as much about LeBron's legacy as it was a victory okay. for the for the Cleveland Cavaliers and and all the reasons we mentioned. So they, I guess they had to pick uh the iconic okay. moment. And of course if they had both to choose from, they would they would choose the dunk, but I would hope um, it wouldn't be lost on people that there was also this this memorable block. Um, in addition, so, I, I mean, the, and, yeah. and 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 not to mention his triple double, which I think was only done a couple times in NBA Finals uh, Game Seven history. So True. he had a lot going for him. If we would have just added that dunk as well, it's I think we would have been spoiled in riches. But yes, <laughs> the dunk would have been what we would have um, you know made a LeBron logo out of, or you know he would, would that, have been lionized. Would that have? Would that have diminished Kyrie's uh, his three point shot? Like that was a legendary shot. 
without it a diminished chance. It was a legendary chance. shot. Um, not for me because I knew that I. Think... Well, how about in terms of the way it's portrayed? Do you think that? Sure. Sure. Okay. You're asking like when you ask that, I know you're asking like, hey, how how do others who aren't as smart as us portray it? It's like, yeah, but I knew going to Game Seven that Kyrie was so spectacular during that whole entire series that, um, yeah, I, I suppose the media would have given this guy um, uh, less credit and, it, and it was, and therefore less fodder because, you know, you had the, you had the, you had the skip Baylesses in the world saying, oh, I've never seen an athlete more bailed out by his number two <laughs> than, than, than Kyrie Irving and LeBron James. So uh, of course, so there was, the media had plenty to chew on when it came to um, LeBron missing the dunk having Kyrie bail him out and then his block came. I might be getting the sequence wrong, but you know what I mean. The point is, is yeah. that, yeah, um, it, it, the, uh, of course, the Kyrie shot both made him and also it, it serves as kind of this crutch that LeBron needed that shot to go down for, um, for that game, for that triple-double to, to mean something. So it's, it's, it's all-encompassing. It's, it's interesting. Um, when the Heat won those championships i can't quite remember any iconic lebron play right like that that is forget the stats and forget the accolades nobody remembers that stuff people remember stories and images and be like people remember um like the shack dunk uh the kobe i don't even remember really that series but shack you know he he dunked over that that's the alley-oop from kobe people remember oh and then then he, he, he he looks at his hand right um that was the Portland uh, series. He like he's pointing two two fingers up into the air, like, yeah. like the look on his face and yeah. stuff like that. Like these these, these iconic images. Can't yeah. quite remember that with LeBron. Whereas with the Heat, people often think about the Ray Allen three. People often it, think about you're very right. And, um, yeah. Whereas with the Cavs, like this, that LeBron block, the dunk would have really put it over the top. But this was almost the reason why I think this is so memorable is because this is what did it for him in terms of his legacy. Like mm. it's going to be, if, if you had to, if you had to create one poster, one, like if, for example, if the hall of fame, they do posters, which they don't they'll do, that would be it. It would be his block yes. on Andre. Like yes. the, the, the look on Andre's face. Right. Um, so the, cause the, the, the only other kind of image that kind of comes to mind, you can really think is um, when LeBron and cause it, in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Pistons when he was really young, so it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't the finals, which was he did one of those no the the uh, you know the the dunk the note with no regard for human life dunk where he like yeah, yeah there, Kevin there, Kevin Harlan call yeah the the spin yeah. around the way he dunked and his body kind of spun around and he took a mm-hmm. bunch of players with him yeah. so those that that's the only kind of lasting image which I mean that wasn't as impactful because it was just a it was a game five they didn't win the series um, so another thing that kind of I don't know how many people remember it, but do you remember when uh, Steph Curry was with the ball? This was after the three-point shot, and Kevin Love is somehow gets switched onto Steph Curry, and he has to stop Steph Curry. If 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 it happened, I, I didn't notice the switch. No, so okay. But do you remember how Curry had to like he had to go one on one with with Kevin Love and. Um, and then he made the stop, you know, cause the whole big criticism of Kevin Love throughout the time with the Cavs was like, well, you know, he's the weak link in the Cavs right. defense. Right. But now you've got him guarding Steph Curry, who's the most lethal 
offensive threat in the NBA. Yeah. And more than once, so Steph Curry takes the ball. He's switched on to Kevin Love. He's trying to get by. He can't quite get by because Kevin Love is kind of shifting on his feet. Then Steph Curry passes it, I think, to Draymond. Draymond passes it back. Curry's with, with Kevin Love. Shot clock sticking down. And then he launches up a three and misses or rims out. It was such a weird sequence. that I, I was so locked in watching that. I was trying to see what's going to happen here. Because Kevin Love looked as locked in on any play that he's ever been in. And that's probably like the greatest play of his career. And the yeah, thing I'm about watching, it, I'm, I'm watching it now. It's pretty crazy. Um, and and you're yeah. right. He he was um, he was killed like in that series, like from the media. Um, I yeah. felt like all the losses were just like, oh, Kevin Love didn't show up, and uh, he actually took a lot of heat off LeBron, <laughs> his play at times. Um, that I do remember being a, a narrative um, in that playoff. That like when Cavs lost, it was. Man, Kevin Love, he's just not big three material. Yeah, it's 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 a shame there because he had to he's the one who had to change his game the most, right? The third banana. Yeah. And so that's part of why it's tough, right, to really contribute if you're not playing the game you naturally play. So well the thing is when you look at that play, that Steph Curry, he's not getting by like to be honest, it's funny because I actually think Steph Curry could have gotten by Kevin Love if he pushed. And I actually think that Curry froze. And this is sort of feeding into my belief that in big moments in playoffs, mm-hmm. Steph Curry doesn't show up. I actually kind of, I'm actually a little more aligned with the Perkins belief on Steph Curry not quite being the primetime playoff player that uh, that Clay Thompson is, for example, that it's, Kevin Durant is. It's entirely he, possible. Yeah, he just looked like it looked like he didn't want to get past Kevin because he didn't know what he was mm-hmm. going to do once he got past him. And because we've seen him so many times, just he's, we've seen him take two or three guys uh, on one and right. still hit off a three-point shot. All, he, all I and, can think, all I can say is maybe he just wanted to respond with a three because um, well, that's yeah, the it made sense that was that dropped on him. Kind mm-hmm. of, but yeah, he totally like, could have. There's so many times he could just go face up, and right. I don't know. I just to me, like you pointed out in Game Six when he threw the mouthpiece, I just thought mm-hmm. that when the when the lights are on bright, this guy doesn't look quite yeah. himself, and. We've seen. I feel like I've seen that in several playoff series. Like, there's definitely times where he shined. Like, he shined in in a Rockets playoff series a couple of years ago when I think Kevin went down. Okay, good for him. He had these good grains, but mm-hmm. I, I just don't know if I have as much faith in him as I do like Clay, right. for example. I think Clay's your 16 game player. Yeah, it's it's entirely possible, and and I'll I'll agree. I'll agree with you. Not not Kendrick Perkins, even though you guys said okay. the point. But uh, no, I okay. just I, I I will not be able to sleep at night knowing that I've. Um, Echoed something that that guy said, but uh, no. It, listen, it's it's entirely possible, right? That okay. um, that 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 Steph Curry um, again, he's got a lot of playing ahead of him, so we might revisit this. And you're right; he might be in another two, three finals, finals appearances. Mm. And depending on how he plays, he might um, he he might he might confirm what you just said, or um, we don't know what we're left with. Maybe it was just, uh, maybe he does do the right play. Maybe in a future game seven or important game, playoff eliminator, et cetera. When, uh, when an opposing point guard does shoot a three and, it, and it's, and it's impactful, it's a, it's a game changer that he does the smart play when he does have a big on him, that he does the right thing and, and takes it to the rim. So we'll see. Do you think that Kevin Love has, hit his moment like that was the peak of his career do you think or do you think we're going to see him back in some form somewhere else 
It's entirely possible, but um, look, he probably has. That was probably Pete Kevin Love, um, and and so what if it is? Is 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 my follow up to that? Um, you know, like I think I know why you're asking that question, but I, I think a lot of people would ask that question as kind of a way to um, um, to kind of you know downplay how he. No, 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 it's not, it's not downplaying anything. It's just asking: is that is that? Do you think that? Do you think that that's his moment, or do you think that uh, we still got other years and other moments in him? Because it's just interesting. Like after that, we didn't really hear much about him. After no, that. and we probably won't because I, I don't know i feel like um i'm just trying to think of a role where because i i don't see him being a big three anymore i see him being a big right. big five or six player off the bench you know minutes, really yeah. on, on, on a on a on a championship, championship. team right so yeah uh, maybe he evolves into that um you know i don't want to say okay uh, Powell, but, but question for you then as we head into this 2020 playoffs what one team do you think he could um, serve? Uh, at, like that, there would be the final piece to them being a champion this year. If he were to, if that, if you could just pick them, which team do you think could take you? Which team do you think he's the best fit for? I could see him being on a Philly. Um, okay, because we've talked about Philly in the past. Um, okay, I think they're too broken to fix. Yeah, honestly, I don't see him not helping every single team. Like, I can make the case that a Kevin Love on on a Portland team, like, so you know, you how that's romantic- piece? well, you know how I romanticize about the 2006 Miami Heat, how he had all these studs coming off the bench, right? Morning, okay. Peyton Walker. Um, Imagine now the Blazers having Kevin Love and Melo coming off the bench. To me, that's um, and actually um, a guy. Melo's like a starter, Love, right? Pardon me. I think Melo's a starter there, isn't he? Or is he off the bench? You might. Uh, I, th- I thought Melo was coming off the bench, but either way, he's um, right. he, he's he's well, he's, he's not playing. I don't think he's playing north of thirty-eight minutes a game. Yeah. Um, Carmelo. So, anyways, the point is, is that. Okay. Yeah, I could see I could see a guy like Kevin Love being that veteran piece who has won a championship, um, helping out uh, a young team like uh, like the like the Blazers and just being that um, again that big name off the bench. I mean, he could really do with with a bunch of teams, um, Boston. You know, like <laughs> yeah. I, so, I I I I picked Boston over Raptors in the previous pod, and I think if they had Kevin Love, yeah, I think I think that would okay. Be curtains. The um, I told you about that driver. I had Lyft driver who made the comment. You know, your boys only won because we your your boys only got that chip because our guys are injured, right? Referring sure. to the the Raptors losing, should have lost to the Warriors. Yeah. And when I talked to him about the 2016 Cavs, and he said. The, the what he he believed the reason the war, Cavs lost was because Andrew Bogut fell down from injury. What do you oh, think? Okay. There? If, if if Andrew nah. Bogut was not was then there for that's, Game Seven, you think that? No, nah, that's Wolf yeah. tickets for me. Yeah, tell your tell your <laughs> tell your Lyft driver to stick to the roads. Um, yeah, <laughs> no, I'm not buying that. I mean, there's certain you know me, right? I've opined about Kevin Durant um, in the 2019 Finals. It's like okay. I think there's certain guys you can make a case for, you know, t- tippy top guys, not Bogut. Come on, I mean, at, 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 at that point you're getting because he oh, was was the arena 
properly set was a thermostat properly set at the arena um did the guys have a proper night's sleep now you're just getting to less cuckoo land of what ifs no there's well he was a, okay he was a starter i, I will oh, doubt he's a starter but there's starters that i value having more impact um in terms of a story arc okay. and he just doesn't he just doesn't fit the bill Sorry. How about this for you? I'm, I'm more just challenging here, but because I'm 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 pro, like I'm just wondering here. He he actually injured his knee during Game Five, right? So mm-hmm. after he injured himself, after he got injured, that's when the Cavs started winning. When he was there, the, the, the when he when he was playing, the Warriors were up three one, and then he gets injured during Game Five, and after that, then the Cavs won every other game. Do you think there's anything, anything, anything to that argument there? Not really, because you guys okay. won 73 games that year. You're the defending champions, so shut up and find a way and stay healthy. Yeah. Like, like they, they, these are these are not things for me to take into consideration why you lose. These are things that um, I yeah. say that's like, uh, um, that's nice. You next time find a way to win. Like that's you really have to be you really have to be critical like that sometimes, right? It's it's um, when people use injuries as a reason why certain teams lose at certain times, you really have to flip it on its head and say like, okay, um, knowing that, why did you still find a way to win? And to me, Bogut is not a reason why you don't win a championship. Does that apply to the 2020 Raptors beating the Cavs, beating the Warriors? No, it doesn't because uh, I I, I think the the higher Kyle, the player, Look, it's not a catch-all argument. Okay. A player like Andrew Bogut, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just not – I'm not seeing <laughs> Okay. All right, no all right. So – But Durant, then, yeah. Listen, Durant's just – Durant's just a conversation. That, that's all I'm trying to say. I think you have okay. to have a conversation if Kevin Durant is healthy during the entire um, – you've said it yourself. It's like, yeah, give me – yeah, put Kevin Durant on the Warriors. Raptors still win. That's great. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think that's – I think – You've 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 um, you've uh, you've heard the nuance, but you're still picking Raptors. I'm completely fine with it. I see what you're saying. Yeah, Andrew Bogut is not quite. Kevin Durant. I I don't even know if Andrew Bogut's ever made an All Star team, has he? I don't think so. No. It's quite a disappointment, actually. You know, he was. You remember he was the number one draft pick when he. I can't remember what year, but he was drafted number one by the Bucks. So then, okay. The anything else about the game? Because I want to talk about the trophy presentation a little bit for a second. Um, yeah, listen, I think there was like one basket scored, uh, and it was the famous YouTube clip that's got you know the NBA um, puts on their thing. Um, 19 million views. It's final 339 of game seven, and there's one yeah. shot made. The Kevin, and the Kevin Kyrie Irving shot, yeah. And and you yeah. ask about well, so the the um the thing for the media to really pick from LeBron during that stretch was the block because they immediately yeah. made the commercial the next year with, with and recreating that block. Um, that's both what I see as um, his gift and his curse. It's, I think people for so many years and probably LeBron himself and especially LeBron of the Miami heat where, you know, they were just doing their bad boy video and, and, puffy mace dancing was just <laughs> we're gonna win 10 championships um I, I think he really saw that for himself and he saw himself just 
all he's doing is just making these these moments that that like uh, Michael Jordan has to his highlight reel. And I guess what I'm trying to say is that he's a superstar and he's one of the greatest of all times. And he's had, you know, when you're, you know, when you're punching in, um, say you're going to work from your house and you're punching in on Waze or Google maps, it's going to give you three options. And one of them being the fastest, the most straightforward. Well, you have all these hall of famers, you have, you know, you have Bill Russell, you have Wilt, Kareem, and then you get into bird magic. And then you got Michael, of course, and you have Kobe and Shaq. Um, now some of Kobe, now Kobe's runs were interrupted, but still it's, just, it's, it's all very aesthetically pleasing. They, they kind of took the road less traveled by in terms of how to get to their championships. And they, they won them in a more palatable way. Well, here was LeBron supposed to win them all these championships in the most palatable way, but he's really taken a lot. He's really taken a scenic route to some of his championships. And 2016 one is prime. It was an ugly end to that mm-hmm. game. And it took a, a block, you know, for him to, you know, yeah. you think, you think of these moments where it's just, it's, I made the shot. Now you try and answer. And yeah. that's what defines your NBA career. And then, you know, yeah. and then he and does think- it. And you he think does. about plays where it's a guy going face up one on one. You see exactly like, sizing you up in a half court, as opposed to this was in transition. And he's running this, this basically a half court length. He's, he's he's lurking in the weeds yeah. and in the shadows, yeah. and out comes LeBron James. It's a very heel thing to do, right? You wouldn't think of your baby <laughs> faces as as doing this, right? But um, well, yeah, because he's playing in Oracle. He's doing that in Oracle. It's a straight heel move. Yeah, and another and another thing that I think gets unnoticed is like I don't I don't think the the Cavs have worn these uh, these t shirt jerseys ever since. Right, there, there's a lot going in. I mean, we've talked about the 2016 year in general, and you know, 45 <laughs> being elected and all these kind of guys winning sports championships. So it, it was just very uh, it was just very on character for LeBron to kind of win the championship this way, and it was just. Yeah, I mean, put it this way: you're not no scriptwriter would ever write the 2016 championship this way. I don't think, anyways. No, now, it I, I, I I like it because yeah. it's it, it's it's um it's it's um it's not the nicest yeah. way. To I can tell you, I was less excited for a fan base to to have broken their curse than. Cleveland. <laughs> I don't think I care enough about the Cleveland fan base that when they were cheering that I thought, okay, good for them. You know, but like you also Fox. you can also you can also imagine Cleveland as being this like um, blue collar town, um, possibly people with with bad teeth, and you're like, they probably, you know, when you you know when you like have guests from out of town, and you don't know whether to take them to like Outback or like you know or uh, I don't know an IHOP, and meanwhile like. Okay. You take him to an IHOP and they say, "Oh my God, this is the greatest food I've ever had in my life." I, that's Cleveland, man. Cleveland. Not only will they take that championship, uh, they will think it's the greatest championship ever. It's just like Michael Jordan. Who? Um, no, like. Well, you know, Brian Windhorst has his criticism. Who? Brian Windhorst from Akron, who went to high school with LeBron. Mm-hmm. It's kind of sort of the start of his career. He's commented about how he thinks the Cleveland Cavaliers organization has not really celebrated that 2016 championship the way that the Mavericks did in 2011. 
or the way the Portland Trailblazers did in 76, which is like it part of the 76, I forget which year, which is a bit of like what inspired me to think about the series of champions mm-hmm. that we think might be memorable, which mm-hmm. could extend to other other years, even teams that have won multiple times. So some championships are just more memorable than others. But he's just talking about things like um, like there is no statue out there in 2016. You don't rename, like they haven't renamed any of the roads around the arena or the certain oh. decorations you put up or different there's just different things that you can do in the city that just commemorate those kinds of victories um maybe it's because the losses the years after i'm thinking that's got to be part of it it's well they were still finalists the next two that's what i mean years right so you're making the point for me like that's I've often I've often said that I don't think LeBron cares as much about the losses the subsequent years. I don't I think he sleeps very well knowing that Draymond yeah. Green still beats him in finals because he has that 2016 that's just like it's it's both something to hang your hat on and yeah. it's a big fuck you to a lot of people who said that this guy could never win that type of series, right? Just yeah. um you know, back up against the wall type of thing and, True. and here he was. So That was it. Uh, Right. Yeah, and, and and so uh, listen, I I've, I don't live in Cleveland, thankfully, and um, <laughs> I've never uh, well, I have been to Dallas, been to Dallas airport, but um, you're probably you, right. I mean, they, they probably you, should celebrate it more. Um, you made a good point. I don't know. You made a good point that part of why maybe they hadn't yet was because the run was still on. Like if you remember how. Like Cleveland was still thinking that they could go and repeat as champions next year. They Absolutely. were in the finals, so they actually had a shot. So the story wasn't finished yet. Mm-hmm. They still had LeBron, and LeBron only left like a year and a half ago. So they haven't had a chance to digest all that. And then Dan Gilbert famously had his heart attack like a year or so after LeBron left. Like mm-hmm. the Mavs, they willingly dis- disarmed their team after they won the championship, right? Yeah. They didn't re-sign Tyson Chandler. So they said goodbye to that, and therefore that championship means that much more. Whereas the Cavs were still in the throngs of battle. So yeah. it didn't make sense to herald that championship above anything else when they still believed that they were going to win. So, so in the future, in, in subsequent years, you, you, I think you, know, you might see them coming out with, with those kinds of celebrations in Cleveland because you had that one glorious run um, for them. Now, trophy presentation. Uh, it was interesting. You talk about the dynamic between Dan Gilbert and LeBron. So Doris Burke asks Dan Gilbert about, you know, essentially, did you ever imagine that after the way LeBron left that you'd be here or something like that? And Dan's like, I, I can't hear, I couldn't hear you over the crowd or whatever. I said something like that. They're in Oracle. No one's cheering. And um, it was interesting. He, he was like, he, you know, he started off with the people of Cleveland deserve this. I'm like, no, they don't really. I don't care about Cleveland. And then he said, <laughs> He thanks in this order, David Griffin, the front office, Ty Lue, the fans, and then finally LeBron and the Cleveland Cavaliers. That wow. was the order. And wow. it may not have planned that way because you're just on live TV, but it's subconscious as to how you think as a person, right? That that's like, it's the world according to me. I'm talking, you're the owner, so you're probably talking to your front office and the layers, mm-hmm. concentric circles outward. You're not talking to the players. That's not really what you do as an owner. So he started off basically the world according to me like that's how he sees the world that's how he thinks which is a bit of a reflection as to how he like had that famous uh, letter written in com- comic sense yeah. or whatever yeah. that font is so yeah um 
that was just one observation about the trophy. And then, of I, course, he had to are, be the one to lift up the trophy, just like we have talked about before. We hate, yes. I, I think uh, I think Dan Gilbert is like a passable owner. Like he comes like a guy. I, I put yeah. him. I yeah, put he's him not the like, worst. You're right. No, he's not. He's not. He's not. It's not like he's this non-visible guy who you don't see during the course of an NBA season. He, does what he's supposed to try and do as an owner. Like he has mm-hmm. tried to support the fans, even if they're, you know, what they are. He um, he spends money. Like he was going to luxury tax. He mm-hmm. when LeBron was there in Cleveland, the first run, he was trying to do all those things, like lend his private jet and you know yeah. hire his LeBron's buddies, doing things that the Miami Heat were not willing to do because you know Pat Riley runs that ship. Right. Um, and Pat Riley's going to show you who's boss. So yeah. Um, but man, yeah. So uh, this was a fun trip down memory lane to a time, you know, four years ago. Hopefully, we are heading back into that kind of joyous time in the future, a few months from now. Yeah, and I guess <laughs> um, <laughs> um, how how do you think they compare to um, other one-offs? Like, like if you just quickly oh yeah, think of, so um, you know what? Let's. After we go, let's once we get through a few more, then mm-hmm. we're gonna let's 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 I'll talk about, about them. There's gonna enough. be some more that we're gonna cover, and then let's see how it all. We have had the time to like have we talked about it and reflect and see. But that's a good question. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Okay, man. Cool. So, well, any everybody, if you have any feedback, any 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 things that came to mind you want to question us about with the 2016 Cavs or anything else please reach out to us at payheightspod at gmail.com you can add us on Twitter and Instagram at payheightspod okay thanks everybody thanks everyone good night